Hi, this is guitarist Jason Vio, and you're listening to All Strings Considered. It's a very difficult thing to make a career out of, and the main thing is just to make sure that there's always some trials here and there. If you get good enough, you're encouraged to do a competition, and some of those can be fun, and some of those, you know, can be not so fun. It's something you really, you know, that you really love. You have to have a lot of heart and a lot of love, a lot of passion for it. Honestly, though, Scott, it's, I'm not a big listener of my records. What, what we all do, I mean, we just keep growing. And so to listen back, it's not a negative thing. I mean, I enjoy listening. It's like the box CD. As soon as I released it and I started performing, it just changed immediately. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to All Strings Considered. I'm your host, Scott Wolf, and today you'll be hearing my interview with Jason Vio, including some as yet unreleased music from his new CD titled Play. All Strings Considered is brought to you in part by Guitar Salon International, the world's largest selection of fine classical and flamenco guitars and accessories, and by Audible.com. To get a free audiobook of your choice, go to audibletrial.com slash allstrings. There are over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Jason Vio is an incredibly hardworking performing artist and teacher, having given solo and chamber music concerts and major festivals all over the world, been featured soloist with over 50 orchestras, and is a dedicated recording artist with almost a dozen albums to his name. Jason is on the faculty of both the Curtis and Cleveland Institutes of Music. On the show today, he talks about his new online lesson website, about his latest album, which features virtually every classical guitar encore piece in the repertoire, and of course about the recording process itself, and lots more. So it just worked out that last December I did an interview with a good friend of mine from a group called A Far Cry. If you don't know already, they're a fantastic conductorless string ensemble based in Boston. On that episode, you heard a tune or two from a CD they did with Jason and Julian Labro of music by Piazzolla. Something about Piazzolla is just perfect for the wintertime. Maybe that's just my wishful thinking for warm weather in December like they have in Argentina. I should probably mention that my interview with Jason was over Skype, so there's some occasional distortion, but I don't think it'll be too bothersome. Yeah, Julian's fantastic. We just played a concert at Northwestern on that series. It's a part of their festival there in conjunction with the Segovia Guitar Series that they also have there. And we had our CD come out a year ago called Piazzolla. He's just somebody I caught at Nighttown, this great jazz club here in Cleveland. And my producer and I uh, were there hanging out, having dinner. This band, Hot Club of Detroit, is playing. Love the band. We both really took notice of this accordion player who was playing like really just fantastic improvisations. He was just whipping the crowd into a frenzy every time he would take a solo. And I just never really heard anybody do that on an accordion. So we bought the band a couple rounds of beers afterwards and talking to them. And one of the things that was always in the back of my mind was to actually play the original Piazzolla double concerto sometime, the one written for guitar and bandoneon. So I asked him if he played bandoneon, and at the time he had only kind of messed around with it, but was thinking about actually buying one. So I set up gigs in Cleveland and a demo recording. Well, we played the double concerto with a string quartet, who is now the Linden 
string quartet and often doing great things after winning fish off at the time they didn't even have a name this is like three four years ago he took the orchestra part and just you know reduced it to string quartet and a single double bass so we played that in the concert and we played his starter tango together alan bice my producer was able to put together a session with the great young orchestra a far cry I can't believe he learned bandoneon just after having met you, because I've heard that instrument is just unbelievably difficult to play. Oh, it's totally different from the accordion. The system on it doesn't work the same way at all. I mean, you'd have to ask Julian to get more details on when, on, on just how much bandoneon experience he had before then, but <laughs> I don't think it was much, so. Well, yeah, that, actually there is a story uh, with that. In order to, to make that recording session happen, because of you know our touring schedules, just trying to get three entities' uh, touring schedules to line up and Azika's recording schedule, which already by that time it started to get pretty heavy. We had two dates in December in Boston where A Far Cry is based. And we spent about a week, we did about three or four days of rehearsals, and then we had two nights in a church to record the whole thing. They had to turn off the heat or something, right? Yeah, it was it was freezing. I, I just kept warm by playing. I just kept playing. But there were there were some players that had like gloves with uh, the whole, the fingers cut out. We were all wearing hats and scarves to try to hold our, hold the body heat in and everything. I just kept playing. I think I probably played like you know ten hours that day. <laughs> That's how I could keep my hands warm. I mean, at least with a bow, you have the idea that maybe if you can't feel your fingertips, you might be okay, at least with your right hand. But on the guitar... No, I, I, I can say that my hands didn't really get too cold. It was just, you just had, you know, you just keep playing in that situation and do a lot of clapping. If you clap your fingers together, they stay warm. That's a trick, by the way. If you if you tend to get cold hands before a performance, just clap. You gotta you know, kind of slap your fingers together like that, and that, that heats up the capillaries a little bit. I teach a couple of middle school group guitar classes in the morning a couple days a week. It's a fairly large hall at Whittier College and it takes forever to get warm. So I've added Jason's clapping trick to their warm-up, along with some other simple stretches and hand movements. And it works great for my hands, and lately the kids come up each morning and go, Hey, can we clap first? My hands are cold. So it's definitely kid approved. Maybe for that next ridiculous winter gig where they think you'll be fine playing outside, Try giving yourself a round of applause before you start, and you might find the playing just that much easier. Okay, so let's hear a couple pieces from this album titled The Music of Piazzolla, featuring Jason Vio, Julian Labro, and A Far Cry. We're going to hear Julian and Jason play the opening movement to the history of the tango, which is titled Bordello 1900, and then the second movement of Piazzolla's Concerto for Guitar and Bandoneon, titled Milonga. Milonga is kind of a cool multi-purpose term, it refers to the style of music. Milonga is one of the predecessors to tango, as well as being the name of the dance that you do at a milonga, the name of the place or event where you milonga. Uh, you probably get the idea. So here's Jason, Julian, and a far cry playing some great music from Piazzolla. It turned out really great. It was. Uh, I'm really happy with how that the recording turned out. Thank you. 
I started uh, classical guitar right around when I was like seven or eight. I think right as I was turning eight years old, I started lessons with Jeremy Sparks, a founding member of the Buffalo Guitar Quartet. And uh, yeah, so he, I mean, he's a great arranger. He did most of their arranging at the time. I've read tons of their arrangements. They're great. Oh yeah, they're all like, a lot of those Doberman published quartet arrangements, uh, he's got a lot of them. I actually learned out of a, I, I think it was called Acorn Basic Guitar Lessons, and it was distributed, the publisher was called Happy Traum, or Happy Traum, I guess which maybe would be like Happy Dream in German or something, I don't know. And it had pick strokes up and down, so Jeremy just substituted the pick strokes for INM. So that's kind of how I learned, you know, single line things uh, with alternation. And then he would stir in his own exercises. And I did the Giuliani 120 right hand exercises and some, you know, easy Renaissance pieces the first uh, year or two. And then it just kind of, you know, it went from there. I've got a couple friends who studied with you and they tend to be my favorite players among my friends. It sounds like, and from what I hear, you're just a phenomenal teacher. I've never actually seen you teach, but it seems like teaching is a very important part of what you do. It's funny because I consider myself, first and foremost, a live performer. And a live performer that, that also happens to make regular commercial recordings. And I've been doing that for 20 years professionally. but. I sort of fell into teaching. It's not that I didn't have any intention to teach. I, I always figured I'd be doing some kind of teaching because I taught my friends in uh, middle school and high school. If they wanted to learn the intro to Ozzy Osbourne, Killer of Giants, then I'd go, they'd give me the cassette tape and then I'd transcribe it from the tape and then teach it to them. I would always try, I would write it out for them, but they didn't want to have anything to do with reading music. <laughs> Most of the time. When I was in high school, I had a friend of mine, you, you know, you find your friends in high school that are really into guitar. And, and when I was a junior in high school, I was giving him regular lessons and he was very cool with learning how to read music. That was a big thing for me. You know, as it always is, intermediate or advanced players, I'm always uh, saying in master classes, please, please read Sight read something you've never seen before, 15, 30 minutes a day. So I didn't really answer your question, but it was something that I, I fell into professionally to be as a professional teacher. I, had, I won the GFA international competition when I was 19 and I was a junior at CIM in the bachelor program there studying with John Holmquist. So when I graduated from CIM, John suggested to Cleveland Institute of Music that I be brought on as a second faculty member. So I began teaching initially John's makeup lessons. But what happened shortly after is that I began to get students of my own, which John was in full support of, of me having my own studio. And then it just kind of, it just kind of blossomed from there. And that's why I ended up staying in Cleveland 15 years ago after graduating was because I had a base to play concerts out of, to fly out of, but also a sort of a steady teaching gig. Right, kind of helped support the performing career. Right, and then John left to go into financial advising in 2001, so I ended up taking over the department, basically. You might have noticed that Jason said he won the GFA competition at 19. That actually makes him the youngest winner yet of that competition. As you all know, that win also comes with a Naxos CD, so I asked Jason if there was a piece or two from that early CD that he wouldn't mind if I played. I haven't heard it in so many years. I think that the performances that still hold up on it would probably be, you know, for me, would be the Krauss and, you know, bits and pieces of the Merlin. And I like the Pujol. 
Honestly, though, Scott, it's, I'm not a big listener of my records. Well, I just, I, you know, as we do, as we all do, I mean, we just keep growing. And so to listen back here, it's not a negative thing. I mean, I enjoy listening to them when I do. I enjoy the Matheny record a lot because it, it just sounds like, you know, it's like Pat's music and which I'm a big fan of. So, you know, and I, again, I like bits and pieces of all of them. I think there, there's some good stuff on there, but it's like the box CD. As soon as I released it, I started performing the suites from there. I think when it came out, I was, I was just starting to play the third lute suite in recitals and it just changed immediately. And same thing with the first lute suite now, it's very, very different. I mean, I think you could hear both a live performance now and the record and, you know, you tell it's the same person, but just, you know, it just, they change and because that's what we got to do. <laughs> I think we'll go with two movements from José Luis Merlín's Suite del Recuerdo, The Evocación and Joropo. I'll let Jason introduce them. Suite del Recuerdo was uh, something that I started playing, I think I was the first guitarist since José himself, to perform it and just through the recording and the concerts, it, it sort of became to have a life of its own. Merlín lives in Spain but he's from Argentina and so these are all Argentinian national dances in a dance suite form with the introductory movement called Evocacion um, and the Joropo, even though it's from Venezuela originally, different versions of that dance form were also heard in Argentina and th that serves as the finale of the piece. We I mean, should play that one, Let's play the Evocacion and Joropo.
Jason recently began doing online lessons, so I asked him about how these work and how you get around some of the problems one might expect with that format. Well, I'm frightened, frankly, by online learning. Uh, so I'm curious how this one gets around some of the problems that are inherent in not being in the room with your student. The, the first thing that I explain to, one of the first things I explain to people when I talk about this uh, is that it's not Skype. It's not live. It's high quality video exchange. Every person, the student that subscribes has access, can watch any video that's submitted from any student and any of my responses. In addition to that, there's a, a curriculum right now of over 200 core lessons, basically like a library, and that will expand. With the continuation of student submissions and my responses, basically it's like a huge virtual expanding masterclass. So, you know, I can teach as many people as, as, as I want through them. And so the, the fact that it's not live has a lot of advantages. Do you have a sort of a progression of pieces for them in that case? Well, the, the first lesson in the core curriculum is holding the guitar. And the second lesson is uh, a free stroke. You know, and then and then on from there, all the way up to Grand Overture or Sevilla or Bach Lute Suite movements, uh, including analysis of uh, for interpretation, and and then a lot of studies and technical exercises are in there too. One of the other advantages that I, I forgot to mention is that uh, with video exchange, a student can actually perform at their very best. They can take their best shot at the piece that they're learning, so I get to see them at their very best. I can't tell you how many times I've had students that have asked for private lessons when I'm in their town, because I mean, I'm, I'm on the road most of the year. I can't tell you how many times where someone will want a private lesson with me, and for that amount of money that they spend for that hour, they get there and then they're very nervous. Just like a master class, you know, they, they get one shot at playing, and that can be very, you know, it's not necessarily the most ideal situation for every student. So when you can be in the comfort of your own home, when you have that freedom to take as many takes as you want, then I get to see the student at their very best and then work from there. What about if you see a technical problem for the student? I mean, how much of a delay is there between you sort of being able to address that issue with them? The only delay is when I can get to their question when I can answer their video, which is usually between one day and two weeks. If I have a, a teaching style at all, which, you know, I don't, which is why this is so great, because my teaching style, if anything, has always been to really address every student very individually. So I don't even recommend the same fingerings to every single student. Everything is tailored. It always has been in my studios at CIM and now Curtis more recently to the individual students' uh, hands, their technical level, and so on and so forth, and then I can do the same thing here. So if there is a technical problem or that thing that they have a question with, I'm a big demonstrator <laughs> in, in lessons. That's a part of my, my teaching style is that I do a lot of demonstrating for them. And they have to, you know, then show me and demonstrate for me what they're doing, and we just go back and forth. So yeah, the lag time is not the is a little bit longer than in a live lesson. But a live one-hour lesson with me is really expensive. Again, in the meantime, while they're waiting for a week, their question can most likely be answered a lot of the time just in my responses to other students. That's the genius behind what David Butler created here. You know, he had an inkling that a lot of these teachers end up repeating themselves a lot. You know, because a lot of times we, we answer questions pertaining to the same problems that, that students face. Now, their solutions may be different here and there according to the student, 
But there are a lot of things that, you know, a lot of times their questions can be answered if they just look around. It's a very organized uh, interface and the uh, responses are labeled. It's just an amazing resource. They've got ones, they've got sample lessons on YouTube as well. Type my name, Jason Vio at ArtistWorks, you'll see all these sample lessons. The URL is jasonvioschool.com. So how do you prepare for your recordings besides learning an enormous amount of music? It's gotten easier over the years. The nice thing with Azika is that I do have a lot of, uh, I can pretty much record what I want to record. So, you know, when I first started with them, I said, you know, I'd really like to do the Ponce sonatas and try to fit them on one disc. I learned three of the sonatas for that recording. That was a lot of work for me, but then they got easier as they went along. The Matheny is kind of a labor of love and I had all those, just the heads of those tunes as arrangements anyway, about 30 of them. And then trying to take, you know, the best group of them that could be kind of fashioned into some, some kind of concert pieces. That was a nice and kind of organic session. This last one, the, the next record that's coming out, the next solo CD, we're, we're going to have a title for it any day now. We're, we're just going all over the place trying to pick the right one. It's called Play, and you're going to hear some of it at the end of this episode. We're getting people, fans and Facebook involved. <laughs> and uh, But it's basically an encore disc, and that was a lot of fun to make. You know, the hits, El Calibri, Recorded Still Alhambra, Capriccio Arabe. I learned Sunburst by Andrew York, which was great, great fun, because that's a language, actually. The, the, you know, Andrew York kind of speaks in a harmonic language that, that I really, you know, I, I enjoy a lot of that kind of music with that harmonic language. And then there's, you know, some stuff on there, my arrangement of In a Sentimental Mood by Duke Ellington is on it. You know, 10 years ago, I would learn the whole thing, and then we'd, we'd go in and do three three nights, uh, three nights in St. Stanislav Church and, uh, in Cleveland, and record late at night because, you know, so there's as little noise as possible, but still, I mean, one at least one-third of any good takes you have get ruined by outside noise. So that got a little bit old after a while, you know, I was like, wow, this is, this is really wearing me out to, to try to get this whole record done in three nights you know, six hours a night. So, and again, that's what right around the time, a couple of years after, right around 2002, there was like a big jump in the number of concerts every year. And then in 07, there was like another really big, like, you know, jump to like 50 to 60 a year. And it's been kind of been like that ever since. What I try to do now is I, I'll get a third of the record together and then we go in and record for a night, maybe two. You know, we just make it more relaxed, you know, two nights, I, I prepare half of the CD and we see how far we get. And then we just go from there. I'd schedule another two nights like a few months later that's a much more comfortable way of doing things for me I, I think for anybody i mean your hands get so worn out by that last day that was a, that's a very good point that's what starts happening and as you get older too you know my hands get kind of puffy the muscles get really big <laughs> you know to the point where it's like they don't it's just feel like a different hand after a while jason's cd of music from pat Metheny seems very dear to his heart, so I think we'll hear a couple pieces from that album and then move on to Jason's encore disc. Wow, um, how about uh, Always and Forever? Or uh, Farmer's Trusts, and those are really great. Uh, that's, you know, that's one of the, early, the ones I probably arranged first, you know, years ago when I was a student at, at CIM in the 90s, and I, I was really getting into Pat Metheny's music, really beginning to explore his catalog. 
there was a really nice record with the orchestra called Secret Story. And there's two or three tracks off of that album that I really played over and over. I just thought it had a fantastic melodic sense to them, always and forever being one of them. I just think that's one of the great, that could become one of the great, you know, all-time jazz ballads. So here's Farmer's Trust and Always and Forever from Jason Vio's CD, Images of Matheny. Thank you. 
these interviews, I always like to ask what people do when it's time to put the guitar down for a minute. Well, you know, I'm a big sports fan. I love watching any kind of uh, sports. Basketball playoffs, hockey playoffs. I'm, I, I mean, I watched every Buffalo Sabres game that I could watch on TV when I was in middle school and high school. I'm just a huge Buffalo Sabres fan and Buffalo Bills. That's my hometown. Yeah, so I like that and, I, and I'm a big, the, the word foodie gets thrown around a lot nowadays, but I, you know, I'm a huge fan of, of great food prepared well. I feel so very thankful actually that I, I have the opportunity because of my professional life to, to basically go into you know Kansas City or somewhere and if I'm there for a few nights, the internet, it's so easy now. You get on and you just try to find the best restaurant in the city or even just some little hole in the wall that, that has like a really high uh, reviews on Yelp. There isn't a single food that I, I haven't tried or won't try. Good wines and uh, I like whiskey. So I've been getting into more into bourbons, craft beers, and this sort of thing. I mean, just things, things that artists, you know, <laughs> things that artists like. It seems like all the the best musicians out there also are the ones who are just really interested in everything that's going on around them. Those are always my favorite musicians: Miles Davis, Stevie Wonder, Pat Metheny. I thought Jay Z was a great hip hop artist, and and part of the reason is that you could hear in his records how wide. Even though he wouldn't really come out and admit it in the lyrics, you could see that he had, he just had a wider scope of influence than, you know, than sort of everybody else in that pack during that, during that particular style of hip hop at the time. So yeah, you know, I still love those Tribe Called Quest records. I just went bananas for them in college when they came out, when they were making their hit records. It was like a platinum selling hip hop group that had great feel and great flow that sampled incredibly obscure weather report samples and weird 70s jazz record samples. I mean, that was just, I loved it. Okay, to wrap up the show today, I asked Jason to give a little advice to those guitar students out there who are considering a life and career in music. But before we hear his response, let me just say, thanks for listening to All Strings Considered. I'm your host, Scott Wolf. All Strings Considered is brought to you in part by Guitar Salon International, the world's largest selection of fine classical and flamenco guitars and accessories, and by Audible.com. To get a free audiobook of your choice, go to audibletrial.com slash allstrings. There are over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Gotta enjoy it. I did all the practicing for myself. I didn't do it for my parents. They enjoyed it and they supported it. And I didn't have to be a classical guitarist. I got good enough grades in school. And I, if I told them when I was 15, you know, you know, I really want to go into veterinarian medicine or whatever, something like that. They go, well, are you sure? You know, cause you know, you seem to enjoy the guitar. Their criterion was that, that I enjoyed it. It's a very difficult thing to make a career out of. And, and if you should have some success at it, then, then opportunities will find you along the way. But the main thing is just to really, just to make sure that for the most part, I mean, there's, there's always some trials here and there. If you get good enough, you know, you're encouraged to do a competition and some of those can be fun and some of those, you know, can be not so fun. But just that all along the way that it, it's something you really, you know, that you really love. You have to have a lot of heart and a lot of love, a lot of passion for it. And now what I imagine you've all been waiting for, let's have an encore or two. This is from Jason's new CD, Play, which is set for release next month, January 28th. Let's hear the opening track, Bellinati's Jongo. And just to begin and end this episode with something Argentine-inspired, 
You'll then hear Jason's interpretation of Roland Dion's piece, Tango in the Sky. Until next time, enjoy the music.
like the sound of the classical guitar. <laughs> this is Jason Vio, and you're listening to All Strings Considered. That's not my real voice. I'm playing around. Here we go. 